Hey, Chris Manning here from the Locked on Cavs podcast. Coming up on today's show, we're talking to Jackson Frank about Darius Garland, about Evan Mobley, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's all coming up today on Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts your, your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked on sent you. Cavs need a three. Sexton works on Irving, trying to get loose. He'll fire. Bang! Knocks it down! Ground. Here goes Okoro to the bucket, and oh my! Okoro throws it down. Ten seconds to go. Here comes Colin Sexton. Sexton chased by Hill. Off to Stevens. Oh my! 45 ticks to go. That shot yes. is blocked by Nance. Get that big stuff out of here. Prince knocks down that hard and pass. Garland's there. Garland upstairs for Allen. Oh, 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 look out. There you go. That's called team ball right there. Welcome into the Locked On Cavs podcast. I am Chris Manning. Evan Damrell, my co-host, is with me. Evan, did you know that as we are obviously the first billion-dollar Cavs podcast, we are also the first Cavs podcast that we are taking Rolls Royces to go see alligators. Yeah, no, uh, that 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 is. I did not know that we were the first to do this, but I'm not surprised at this point. It's, it's yes, good to I, know, though. I have a new bit that I'm going to try out until we get to the season, and uh, I'm going to start pulling DJ drama brags from the album uh, Sir Baldelaire, or uh, sorry, the album Call Me If You Get Lost from Tyler Creator, and uh, I'm just going to bring those out and see how many people notice. This is what we're going to do. It's August. Who cares? But joining us is Jackson Frank from a lot of places, including the analysts, Dime. Uh, He hosts the House That Hinky Bill podcast over at Blue Wire. Jackson, what's up, buddy? How are you? Doing well. Appreciate the two of you having me on. No, I mean you're slumming it, but Evan, how are you? I'm I'm good, man. Uh, you know the alligators were good. Uh, they were a little bitier than I thought they would be. Yeah, a but, little, um, little chompy. We're we're just getting off the work day on a Monday, so hope everyone had a good weekend. It is hotter than hell outside in Cleveland right now, so I went for a run this morning, and I'm still feeling the after effects of it. But other than that, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing, man. Uh, back in the work week, had a played a lot of golf over the weekend and it was very hot playing golf it was very hot yeah. playing golf yeah um, hopefully, it, you, hopefully it breaks soon i i don't enjoy this heat mixed with the humidity uh yeah it's not what you want but if you're unfamiliar and you're watching us new for the first time please hit that subscribe button hit that as evan would say hit that notification bell get notified when we go new, we get we go live uh or a new episode comes up i think we'll be doing a live mailbag here soon so you might want to tap in for that but Today, we're talking all about Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. Jackson, I just want to ask you this to sort of lay a groundwork here before we just kind of dive into building with these two guys. A, what did you think of Mobley at Summer League? And B, was there any thought for you that he shouldn't have been the guy at three? Because I don't know if you're aware of that. There's like a contingent that is like they should have taken Suggs. Should have, I mean, Suggs is really the guy I think a lot of people liked. I think Suggs obviously is really interesting. Uh, but... For you, what do you, what do you, what are your answers to the kind of those two basic questions before we dive in here? Yeah, so I do have to preface that anything I watched of him in summer league was like with you know, an eye and a half. I wasn't you know watching everything super in depth. Well, um, that is the way to watch summer league basketball, honestly, in my <laughs> yeah. mind. Like it, it is limited, especially when the Cavs yeah. are like, "What if we don't bring a point guard?" <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they just said let's let's run everything rising Coro. Um, I but I, I was mostly impressed. I thought he still had you know it, I know the scoring efficiency wasn't great, but um, you saw some really impressive off the dribble flashes. He had some of the same passes. Um, 
the defense in the games I saw. I think the game I watched the most closely um, was the first one against the Rockets and then the second one against Suggs. I think those, he played three of them right, and those were the first two, I think. Um, I know like I know the scoring efficiency wasn't great in either one, but um, was pretty dang impressive defensively just with his ability to do a bunch of different things and influence a bunch of different plays. Uh, and then the flashes of kind of shot creation from the perimeter and then some passing. Um, it's about what I expected. Uh, I think the scoring development will take a little bit of time, especially... I mean, he's a guy that definitely has some self-creation, you know, upside in him. But uh, from the get-go, he's going to be a player that is an awesome lob threat, awesome on the short roll. And as you mentioned, Chris, the Cavs were trying to see, kind of explore the depths of Isaac Okoro's ball handling game. They didn't have an actual point guard to, you know, just run a bunch of pick and rolls up top with with Mobley every play. So um, overly, over, overall, pretty optimistic and encouraged by what I saw. Um, and I think when he's playing with, you know, I know the defenses will be better uh, in the NBA, but when he's playing with a you know, legit, legit passer like Darius Garland and a guy who can really score the ball like Colin Sexton, his kind of his play finishing, the lob stuff will be look a lot easier and, and seamless. Do you think he should have been the third overall pick? Because what Chris mentioned is something I've been seeing as well as Cavs fans, at least kind of doing hand wringing, whether it's Jonathan Kaminga or I've seen Scotty Barnes and then. Um, Suggs is obviously the best they're the biggest name of the bunch and people think like oh what what could have been for them and I don't know I, I think Mopley is the right pick at three but I could be wrong no I I mean I so I didn't do as much draft work this year I had kind of a good understanding of the top four or five guys so I knew Kate I knew Mopley I knew Suggs I knew, knew uh, the other Jalen Jalen Green not the other Jalen that's, that's even rude to Jalen Green um, but I thought he was absolutely the right pick at three um, and I, I don't think like I mean, you shouldn't, regardless of what happened in the summer, really not that you're doing this, but anyway, like that should not, and should not affect how you feel about the pick. Of course I get it with fans, but, um, he was absolutely right. The pick they needed, they needed a guy who could like, they run some offense through, um, who was bigger than six, one, six, two. Um, and FM Mobley is that kind of guy They needed to kind of, you know, a defensive anchor long-term. I know that Jared Allen's only 23. Um, but I think, you know, that's not to say like he doesn't fit with them, but I like kind of what Mobley can bring in terms of vers- he's a little more versatile defensively. Allen obviously is very good on defense, um, but I think he was absolutely the right pick. He just he just provides a nice release valve in a lot of ways for the small guards, and then defensively, he's such a versatile defender. He's going to be able to uh, just kind of mitigate a lot of the things that Garland and Sexton struggle with, and those are those are differing things. I think you know Garland Garland can really struggle with some point of attack stuff because he's so slight of frame, but he's does some nice stuff off the ball. Sexton, you know, is a little little bulkier, um, and so he can do a little more on the ball, but off the ball with his awareness and things. That's maybe where he struggles a little more. So, I like kind of Mobley's ability to cover for both of those things. So, I absolutely think he was a a really good pick at three. And like for me, I you know you can I, I, it's, it's weird to say that like he's a steal at three, but I but I do think he was the second best guy in this class. Jalen Green's very good as well, but I think he was surplus value at three. Um, honestly, so he was the right he was the right pick for me. But Jalen Green could prove that wrong. He's tremendous as well. But the very at the very worst, I think he'll be worth the, the kind of the third overall pick, and that's that's what you want. I think he's gonna be really good. So I, I think one of the interesting questions for me, at least with Mobley, is what is he going to add to the Cavs' offense in some way? Right, like this is a guy that I think has a ton of playmaking potential, has a ton of ability to maybe start put, putting the ball on the floor a little bit and attack. Like it is not hard for me to see him adding muscle a la Giannis and like bully guys from like the elbow and like just make even if he's not it is not the most like skillful thing like the brute force can be very very effective especially if he can hit his free throws and and everything goes along with that I think that the short term 
Like, the Cavs have to ask themselves because they are trying to. Evan, you tell me if this is incorrect in your mind, but like hit accelerate a little, little bit. They're trying to do something to go a little bit forward in the next twenty or so. Looking at this yeah. team that is like, how what does Mobley add to an offense in year one? And I think that thinking about what the Cavs were on offense last year, which was to me very boring, very bland, not really inventive and making things easier for everyone. I, I have questions about like if we're gonna see Mobley add to that where he's just going to be like asked to do very simple stuff and you just try to tread water or if they're going to try to use him in creative ways from day one. I think that to me is maybe one of the five most important questions about determining the Cavs' success this season. Is that an incorrect sort of read for you in my mind? No. You read I, for me in my mind. I think that's totally reasonable. And the, the, the times I think you'll see more of kind of exploring the depths of what Mobley can do is maybe when he's the backup five rather than the starting four. I mean, I imagine he's going to start alongside... Jared and the two guards and, and maybe a core. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's still, there's still a, this Kevin Love out thing that is just yeah, like there, and we don't really know what's yeah. happening with that. Which it, yeah, the yeah, they have like, they have a lot of they have, they have a lot of good fours, and like he yeah. probably should start, but it's also like, does Kevin like is Kevin Love gonna? He's already not happy. Is he gonna be like tolerable? Like if he's playing 15, 20 minutes off the bench, like is that a thing that you could? I don't know. These are like locker room questions. I don't think we know the answer to as we're talking in in late August. Yeah, but my point is, I think when he's the five, I think he, and he has a little more space to operate, um, just in terms of operating the paint, because he can operate on the perimeter. I don't really have to worry about that. Um, you'll see maybe some more of the stuff, the the elbow face ups, you know, driving from the perimeter in the wing. Um, but I, but I think at the same time, it's okay if his role is simplified offensively in the starting unit, um, because he's a really good roller, because he's such a quick decision maker as a passer, because he can make high level reads as a passer. It's not just, it's not just the timeliness of which he executes them. It's a lot of it's a lot of stuff that like the 98% of big men won't, won't execute. Um, and so I, I think that's kind of what I'm most curious about is to monitor what exactly they do to try and explore the depths of his offense and how they view him. Um, as you pointed out, Chris, the offense last year wasn't very creative. There wasn't, I mean, they ran it, they would often run an initial, initial action and the play would either work or it didn't. And then it was like, all right, Colin, all right, Darius, make something happen. Um, and so I would hope that, you know, with a little more offensive talent that that would expand the playbook for, for Bickerstaff. But I, I don't feel great about it. Like I just, I mean, they had some often, they had some pretty interesting offensive players and skills last year, whether it was, you know, Coro's ability to cut or his ability to maybe attack if a defense actually closed out. Garland was obviously a pretty good off-ball player. Sexton was awesome off the ball last year. So I'm a little bit pessimistic about it, but I'm trying to stay, like, as as rosy as I can because I do really like what the Cavs are building with their young guys. So um, I hope that answers the question, but uh, I think you'll see kind of divergent uh Divergent kind of usages of Mobley, depending on kind of the lineup around him and things like that, which I think is smart. I think it's important to kind of you know, see him in different roles. Chris, before we go to break, I have a question mm-hmm. for you. Hit With me. how brutal the opening stretch is for the Cavs, they play Charlotte, Atlanta, Denver, both LA teams. They play the Suns. Um, in their first seven or so, uh, one Cavs horse said to me, at least, that he wouldn't be surprised if they started 0-7 and, and it's skies falling. How quickly do you think Cavs fans will overreact to not only that, but maybe Evan Mobley not performing as well as some of those aforementioned players we talked about at the top? I mean, I would argue they're already overreacting. They looked at summer oh. league, which is which is which is built no, that, for Jalen. This, this is the it, base it is, level. Yeah. Okay. It's but gonna yeah, get worse. But I but I think that's silly. And I I think that comes to this question with that I I think I have with the Cavs as an organization is like I don't know if they know how to be around. 
I think that we all was like, I want to emulate the Suns and the Hawks. That is skipping like five steps. You get to where that is, right? Like, well, in they my mind, both it those more, teams to open the season, so we'll find they, out and soon play, enough. And they play Charlotte, who is like more akin to like it's, there's a, like a six point per hundred position gap between those teams last year in terms of like their net rating, which is like a pretty big gap. But it's like you have to make up that gap before you're talking about like getting to like Atlanta or like the Knicks or or Phoenix, who made the freaking finals. Like, you have these massive things to get through and you're potentially mm-hmm. starting a starting lineup that is all 23 and under the right? average like, age will be 21.5 yeah <laughs> it is all really young none of these guys have signed a second contract only one of them is eligible for a second contract like you're in a very particular place and i i think it is like there is more growing pains to come that people are probably going to get annoyed by when like jalen suggs looks like awesome for the magic and like is like the guy or like Jalen Green drops like a 35 point game and like a 20 point loss for the Houston Rockets. Like, mm-hmm. like that is the re- like summer league was already that in a mini bubble because like Green was like awesome for a lot of it played really well against the Cavs in particular. And people were like, holy shit, like did we miss on this year? Do we miss in this creator guy? And then Suggs just like ha- Suggs just has something about him that is, is I think is very easy to get it and fall in love with. Um, he was really fun to watch in person. He's bigger than I, I thought, frankly, like he did some really, really fun stuff and made some really big plays in close games in summer league. Like, and he has the the NCAA reputation from the stuff he did at Gonzaga that Mobley just didn't. And that doesn't like ultimately matter if you're thinking about like who might still be like way better in five years. It is Mobley, but I think there's a level of patience that I don't know how many Cavs people have. That and that as you alluded to, like that opening schedule, Memphis, Atlanta, and Charlotte as your first three games is like not exactly like. You're not Easy. getting like, Det- yeah, you're not getting Detroit you're, and you get Denver soon. Like there's going to be stuff where like these, you're going to get this team thrown into the deep end early. And I think that's going to be kind of interesting to see. Like I, I thought it was interesting that uh, we should go to break, but 26 and a half was like the bet online Cavs over under. I thought that, that, that would be a, what a five win increase from last year in the condensed season. Believe five and so. a half. Cause it's not, they've gone 19, 19 and 21. I think win total wise, like five and a half wins, like more is like still like kind of depressing if you're like, trying to hope this team is going to be a playing team but like that's still not like terrible if your team is really young and i don't want to like move the goalposts or anything but evan you know gotta say if there was something that people needed they wanted to keep themselves cool they should probably check out our friends at sweat block they should how how smooth was that by the way Doctor created, doctor recommended. Sweatblock works up for seven days per use. It is a dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It is featured and tested on the rich ratio by firefighters. I mean, come on, freaking firefighters. Bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, over 13,000 reviews, and is manufactured in the US. Wear what you want to wear when you want to wear it. It's your little secret to being confident because you're not going to sweat through that great t-shirt you love to wear. It is a must-have for everyone's toilet your bag, whether it's a big presentation or a great date, everyone can benefit. There are a few things in life, obviously, that aren't just fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. So check out Sweatblock, and maybe they can help you out. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code LOCKDOWN or at Amazon or CVS. And they have a whole range of products as well, including deodorant and some other stuff as well. So shout out to Sweatblock. This episode of Locked on Cavs is also sponsored by Bet Online. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. 
As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest open now at BetOnline. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 100%. That's that's 50% more than normal. Uh, welcome bonus. But be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo, which means you make a bet on Thursday, September 9th season over between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use the promo code Locked On. All right, let's move on to Darius Garland a little bit, guys. I'm gonna just ask a true or false, and I want both of you to answer for and kind of talk about this a little before I get this for my big mouse. Is anything else? True or false? Darius Garland has the biggest burden let's say on him next year in terms of creating for the Cavs offense true or false Darius Garland has that on him heading into next season good question that is a good one I have to chew on it (laughs) Um, I'll just say I think it's a clear yes a very clear yes I I will I will say yes but at the same time I think think it's still lesser than it was for stretches last year if that okay. is because i mean i think mobley will help i think they clearly want to explore what a core can do as a creator um sexton always you know, continues to add different facets or improve different facets of his game whether it's the passing the off-ball scoring um you know there's not a, it's not unlike it's not inconceivable that jared allen's maybe a little better on the short roll maybe he takes a few more pick and pop threes I know that's not necessarily creation for them, but um, things that are beyond like, okay, Darius, run a pick and roll 74 times a game and, you know, find the proper mm-hmm. thing to do. I think it won't be as as frequent, but I still think it'll have a big, big burden. But I mean, there were there were stretches last year when, you know, when when both Love and Nance were out and, you know, and whatnot and that where it was a ton of work for Garland and he was up to it for stretches, but... I think it won't be as as massive this year, but I still I still would lean yes to your your initial question. I think I'd lean yes as well, and I'll take some of Jackson's points with me too. That the Cavs on paper are better by just adding Evan Mobley, and then you factor in Isaac Okoro's growth and development. You factor in what Colin Sexton's adding to his game, and from what I've gathered, it's taking more threes because his offense will just become easier for him if he becomes more of a spot-up shooter, more of a catch-and-shoot shooter from beyond the arc. Um, Yeah, Darius will have more options and more weapons around him because Kevin Love and Larry Nance Jr. are two really good players the Cavs have tried to play through in the past, and J.B. Bakerstaff shared with me one of the make, like, the offensive anchors for the team just in terms of like bench units and the starting lineup. And clearly that didn't work out because the, they were both of them were hurt for the majority of last year. Um, I think Darius is able to take the leap. Yeah. But I think the Cavs have also surrounded him with some nice pieces that'll make it better. But I think there's just going to be a lot of growing pains as well. So I don't want to put a ton of pressure and expectations on him. 
Um, I mean, I don't want to put a ton of pressure and expectations on any of these young players because, like we talked about the last segment, the average age of the starting unit is going to be 21.5 if you go with all five young players as the starting five. It's going to get ugly at times. It's going to get messy at times, and you don't want to... I guess just temper things a little bit like yeah it's it's good you're gonna see flashes of potential and why this all makes sense and like okay this is why the Cavs took Darius Garland fifth overall after taking Colin Sexton eighth overall the year prior but at the same time yeah I I could say there's a little bit of added pressure because he's also gonna be extension eligible the following offseason so I think he's gonna want to go out there and try and show why he's worth the Cavs time and money I tend to think that the I think that it is true that he just has so much on his shoulders because I don't know who else is going to fill really what he does. I think asking Mobley to do some of like the really high-level connective tissue stuff you need in year one, or at least right away, is going to be a lot to ask of him. I think Colin has addressed, has improved as a creator, but it is not in the way where it's like he's going to do some of the stuff to really like make everything work around him. He can run a pick and roll with Jared Allen, but it's going to be like, he's going to make that simple read and where Darius is going to kind of like pass him open vertically and stuff like that. Just hasn't added that to his game. And I need to see it before I can kind of bank on it. Well, in theory, that's why they added Ricky Rubio, isn't it? Yeah. Because they need an adult on the floor. Right. And Rubio is kind of a break glass in case of emergency. If like, one of them, the young player well, self can bust. Yeah. Well, and then the question is like, okay, like I think one of the other big questions is like, how much can Rubio play with Sexton? How much can, and I, cause I think you want to see him play with more Sexton than Garland in theory, just to kind of balance out your lineups a little bit. But like Rubio is the only other guy on the team that I think you can look at from day one and think like, okay, like this guy can really just kind of orchestrate things for us. Like Okora maybe can add some of that to his game. You want to give him reps, I think, but like, is his ceiling, I think his ceiling is going to be more as like a slasher and as an off ball guy more than it is, you know, creating. I don't know if he's ever going to be like a creative hub. The way I think Darius might be on the verge of getting to. Um, I would also just say, like, if if Mobley pops right away in that, that is one thing. And then sa- thirdly, I think if you look at if you just kind of look at what could potentially be happening with Kevin Love, Kevin Love just hasn't been that guy. And if he's around on the team, he's going to space the floor for you and like rebound. Like that's all he's really going to do at this point. Like he's not like I've, I've been saying since like 2018 that like Kevin Love of the elbow is a thing that Cavs could like lean on. And they just, I guess like haven't done it for variety of availability and and all these questions. Like I just think Darius has to be the guy that does this. And I think him and Mo, like he, when I talked to him at summer league, the thing that he said twice, he said vibes a lot in his answers, which was like, you know, I'm all for that. Get t- let's talk about the vibes. But the second thing he talked about was like really trying to say, I need to help Mobley get acclimated. I need to help him get settled. And I think like that is going to be his role. Like he's cause like what, let's just assume he plays. What do you have any, like 29 minutes a game last year? Maybe something like that. Are Darius, like, I think like 29. Something like, yeah. Like let's say he plays like 29 to 32. Rubio's maybe playing like 25. 30. Like, I, I guess like we're going to see what the split looks like. I don't, I, th- I think it's going to be like Darius a lot of. Darius was 33.1 oh, minutes that's more than I thought. last year. So let's just say he plays the same amount and Rubio's playing. There's some overlap. I think obviously it's kind of inevitable, but he's playing yeah. a more like 25, 20 to 25, something like that. I would imagine you're going to have a lot of situations where it's like he's the guy that has to kind of make all of this flow. And I think that I just think how JB starts the year and then how him and the coaching staff like tinker as the year goes on is going to be real interesting because like if Mobley shows that he can do some of the creation that he's flashed, like that's a really good thing for your offense. But is is it going to do you trust it from day one? I don't I think JB like might, might be a guy that makes him earn that role a little bit, right? Like he's going to have to do the other stuff before he 
allows him and empowers him to do that stuff. That is kind of JB's MO, I think, in terms of how he approaches coaching. And I think there's some bumps that are going to maybe come from just not like there's going to be bumps regardless, but like you're picking the kind of bumps maybe you're getting if you go that route. I don't know. I just don't know what to, like this is going to look like considering like last year was weird. The year before was weird. Like John Beeline was the head coach of this team at the start of two seasons ago, which is just a bizarre thing to think about. And like, I don't think JB's offense last year was like particularly like it was a lot of double drag. It was a lot of like pick and roll. And it was a lot of like pretty just run the same kind of basic and sets with, with, with slight variations, but nothing like like they have to run like Spain pick and roll. They don't run like they don't they don't have like no. they don't run like anything like the heat to where like a, a like Duncan Robinson runs across and like kind of cuts himself open with some screen staggered and like they've never run anything with that complexity. Like, I don't know when it's been a long time since I've seen like a set with that kind of depth to it. And Cleveland probably needs that if they're going to milk this offense to, to not be like bottom 10 in the league again. Yeah, I, I so I, I, I think like I think it's a good position for Garland to be in, honestly, because there, he he has the outline of being a really, really high-level primary initiator. I mean, it's kind of what the scoring kind of efficiency gets to, I think. The passing's there, I mean, right? I mean, he's such a good passer already. I think it's a matter of kind of figuring out the proper shot profile. And so I think these reps will be good for him, and I think it'll be it'll be worthwhile to have kind of a little more diversity of, you know, players around him uh, you know, with Mobley there, maybe a Coro being a little... It just, I would say, diversified in his offense, um, which we saw at the end of last year. But unfortunately, that kind of coincided with with Garland nursing an ankle injury. So um, I think this will be really good for him because I, I think at times, like, young guys need certain roles. But I think with Garland offensively, he's shown the makings of being such a high-level player. I mean, you've seen there's certain games where he's, he really kind of puts it all together. And so I think kind of having that freedom and flexibility with, you know, some talent around him will be really good for him. And you'll, you'll start to figure out kind of the proper ways to try and tie everything together so i'm 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 really excited to see what it is and i think even if there are quite a few you know growing pains it'll it'll really benefit him because he's he is the caliber of offensive player potentially that should have this freedom to kind of explore what he can do evan let's go does sydney low fix the Cavs offense suddenly too i i i don't know I don't think I think like the yeah. I don't think they it, hired it was a solid enough yeah. hire. It's a good hire for like organizational like development and like having another adult around, but like I, I don't know if that was like the offensive coordinator I think people were probably looking for. No. Um they I know the Cavs had interviewed a lot of offensive ass- assistants with an offensive repertoire to them, but they went to other organizations. Uh yeah, Sydney Lowe's. Not, I I think we're gonna see a lot of vanilla offensive sets from Cleveland next year. I'm just I, I'm, temp- yeah. I'm trying to temper people's expectations what, a little what, bit again. Yeah, but before we're gonna break, I just will say I think the hope would be that last year one of the, I think the offense was better post Drummond because you didn't feel like this obligation to post up Andre Drummond, which like was a dumb decision to begin with. But like I just Evan, I have that. Was it though? Game. You're trying to get him traded. Okay, but do you remember the Wolves game where it was like they the Wolves didn't have a healthy center and they posted Drummond like thirty five times? Oh, I remember. I wish yeah. I could forget it. Yeah, like that. No that amount was, of therapy that will help that, me forget that, it. That wasn't helping Drummond's trade value. That wasn't helping anyone. That was just like bad game planning. It just it you wasn't what what it Cavs, was. You know what the Cavs could have done to help get Andre Drummond out of town sooner? Tune up Rock, his car using our friends Auto. at Rock That's Auto. Right. That's right. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. 
winder, often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. They're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low and are for every customer. Rock Auto has everything you need and that you could ask for, including brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto parts needs. So if you're interested, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out today at rockauto.com. All right, last segment. Jackson, I want to ask you this. What are your expectations broadly for the Cavs going into 2021-2022? Where you just add on them, and and how do Mobley and Garland kind of fit into your expectations for what this team is? Yeah, so I'm, I would say I'm definitely, I mean, among just neutral observers, I'm very much one of the large, more vocal proponents of the Cavs core. Um, I really believe in Garland. I think there's a legit chance he wins most improved or is a front runner for it, and is maybe on the fringes of of the All Star team next year. Um, and it's pretty deep, pretty deep, uh, you know of talent in both conferences but what we saw from him post all-star break before the injury was really encouraging um but i think as evan and both of you have noted uh this is a young team if they start those five those five young guys like as much as i love kind of what they could bring in three years uh the fact of the matter is that's it's not what's happening right happening right now so um but i think if they like i wouldn't be opposed to them maybe like Putting Nance, at, I mean, at this kind of getting on a tangent, but like putting Nance to the three and having a core come off the bench and seeing what he can do as like a creator with a little more, a little less creation around him, kind of explore that. Um, but that would also maybe be a little bit detrimental to their win loss total. But so getting back on track, I I think they should be better than last year. Um, a full year of Jared Allen helps him. He's just a very good, competent player. Um, Evan Mobley, I think, helps him as well. So like I, th- I, but it's also tough because as you both noted, like their starting schedule is really tough, and sometimes that can influence the direction organization takes. If they had a really easy schedule, maybe they were like, maybe we can get into the play-in. Um, that kind of affects things. So I expect them to hover in that like 28 to 33 win range. I could see them maybe getting closer to 35, 36 if the development breaks right out of the young guys. But um, they should be better than, next, than last year. Um, but I really do think that that grueling start to the year will influence some of the kind of their vision for the rest of the season. So that makes me a little lower, just plus how many young guys are trying to balance their development and all that. So, um, but I remain really encouraged what the Cavs are doing, even if they still are light on shooting. Um, I think there are other ways to space the floor and maybe a little more offensive ingenuity could help alleviate that. But I think it'll still be kind of a a rough year for the Cavs, but definitely something that that like by the end of the season, fans will be encouraged by because they have a lot of good young guys. That's kind of most important when you're rebuilding. You mentioned the lack of, lack of shooting and proper wing depth, and it's about, it kind of been floated in the ether by Chris Fedor at this point that the Cleveland might be trying to make Larry Nance Jr. available to upgrade on the wing just because, let's be honest, they're not trading Kevin Love's contract, and I think a buyout, at least from what I heard, it's it's going to stall for a little bit. Would you be higher on the Cavs, or would you be lower on them if they flipped Larry Nance for a wing player like 
Chris could probably float some names because he's been chewing on this more than I have lately. Let, let's, but. Just, let's just say Dylan Brooks as like sort of like the guy who's like most out or or so you could go slow mo as well. So one of those two yeah, guys, Anderson or Brooks from Memphis, but mm-hmm. you're sacrificing Larry Nance Jr. to kind of bring a yeah. little bit more and balance then, to your rotation. It, and there is probably like another name out there that is like theoretically available. I'm just struggling and like asking around about this to find guys that like right now before the season has started after moves have been made that like if there's like a wing that is like actually readily available via trade. And again, like this is a highly like everyone needs more wings and the Cavs just happen to have like one proven one in Okoro. And you could even like if you if you're saying Okoro's had one year and I'm skeptical and say, yeah, that, that's also fair. I So, I mean, it's tough. I, I think slow-mo is a better player than Dylan Brooks. And I think what he brings would be useful for the Cavs in a lot of ways. Um, with the connective passing, the defense, he's a just a very good defender in a lot of ways, understanding of angles, his body control. But Brooks, like they they still need more shot creation, right? Like they, and, and Brooks, for all of his faults, whether it's the over-aggressive defense, some of the affinity for mid-range when there's an open kick out, can create his own shot at a high level. You saw it in the playoffs. You saw it a ton from Memphis the last couple of years. I think that would make sense too. But but Nance is important. I mean, Nance was the biggest reason last year the Cavs got off to a good start and why they were a very good defense to open the season. Um, he's just a phenomenal player. So I don't think it would move my perception of them one way or the other very much. Um, I would understand I understand kind of the drive to maybe find an actual three because, I mean, Nance, is be- Nance can play some three, but he's best is kind yeah. of four down by the basket, getting the passing lanes, um, mucking things up there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a... a a non-answer, but to me, I, I just don't think either one of those guys really changes how I view them, even if I understand the drive to do so. Because, I mean, Nance is a really good player when he's on the floor, but obviously that's something that unfortunately hasn't always been, you know, an option for him in, in recent seasons. Well, and I, I think the other part of it is like, hey, num- this can get overvalued, but like, hey, he likes being in Cleveland. Like, he generally likes being in Cleveland. You have him under contract very affordably for a couple more years. It wouldn't shock me if he turned free into 30, and even if, like, he could maybe go to a contender. Like, I think he just generally likes it. I, I think the the big issue ultimately, and I, I keep saying this on the show, is like, I think like when you have, the, I think that the problem really goes back to more than like, you can't, tra- like it's hard to trade for one of these guys. I almost think it just goes to like, you could have had money to maybe overpay in a certain instance, right? Like, you know, I, I don't I don't think like there was necessarily like a ton of guys on the market that I totally like would have loved a big price tag for. But like, could you have like tried to throw some money at like, uh, you know, Will Barton is just like a, a stopgap like wing kind of creator type. Could you have tried to throw money like at Duncan Robinson if you wanted to go really good? Could you have gotten in the Doug McDermott conversation? You know, like Doug McDermott got three or 42 million. Like that's not unreasonable for like a pretty good shooter wing type. And you desperately need that. And I th- you're in this position now where I think like. So much of like the offense functioning depends on you getting quality wing minutes out of Okoro as a shooter. I think he's going to defend and like attack closeouts and cut pretty well. It's just like, can he shoot like league average from three? Um, can you rebuild Dylan Windler? Can you get Jetty Osmond back to like like two years ago? He shot thirty eight percent from three on like pretty good volume. Like, can you get him back to like not being a disaster like he was last year? Like, does Lamar Stevens pop in in a way that maybe we're not expecting? Like, there are just these like things where it's like it's very dependent on the cast figuring it out more than it is like because they just didn't have money. Like, they couldn't go out and like make a real offer to Josh Hart, who got like a pretty like 
by all accounts, like a pretty like team friendly, non guaranteed deal for like a pretty solid NBA mm-hmm. player in a way that was kind of surprising to me. Like you couldn't even get in that conversation without having to finesse like a complicated sign and trade and like give up stuff because you don't have the flexibility. And like this is that's how I think you get into talking to yourself into like, can should we trade this like pretty good rotation player who like actually can't kind of shoot now, even if he doesn't maybe take enough threes in in because we don't have the money because we paid Kevin Love a lot of money like three years ago. And like, like that, like that's, I think the, the tricky part where the Cavs are in there. It's like, you need to hit on something internally in a way that like, I, you, it's hard to, for us to, like, I don't know if Jetty Osmond is eligible. I don't know. I don't know if Dylan Windler can like figure it out. Like these are just, but these are things are going to have to try for the first half of the season. I just don't know what other options they really have. Unless like, you know, Matt Ryan from summer league, like is going to be on a two way and maybe plays because he just will take threes and make them at a decent clip. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think the Cavs like success, however you want to find that in terms of like actually wins a lot wins and losses and maybe tying together some of the funkiness of the, the roster because there are there are good players and there are encouraging encouraging young players um, is largely tied to like can Sexton and or Garland you know take that next leap like you know I I know that like I know impact metrics can always be you know kind of wonky but can they actually get into a place where you're like yeah this guy maybe like based on this metric or these metrics like he's an actual high level impact guard rather than like we like some of the flashes and, and whatnot but maybe the defense isn't there and the shooting efficiency isn't always there like if they can actually take that step to where you're looking at this guy as an above average starting guard um which i don't think is out of the realm of possibility for either guy um i think that would really kind of tie some things together i think it would make things a lot easier um for the rest of the roster you know alan's going to be good but he remains a guy who was dependent on players setting him up you know a is going to be better but he's also similarly a guy that like Someone has to like draw attention for him to get open for a cut, right? Like someone has to de- demand that his defender looks elsewhere, and then he can figure it out. Um, the shooting obviously could take a step forward, but it's still going to take some time for defenses to actually respect that. Um, and so I think a lot of that comes down to those two young guards. And I doesn't mean to like put pressure on them, but I think it's reliant on them. But at the same time, I think at least one of them could probably prove capable of kind of reaching that level. But um, everything offensively starts with kind of a guy who can effectively run and flow a lot of offense through and i think one of those guys kind of has to actually become that player rather than showing a lot of inklings of it um that's not to say like if they don't do it this year it's like oh they're they're destined to you know just be middling players but um i think if you really want to see the Cavs take a step forward in this process you know with their rebuild it'll be contingent on those two which makes sense a lot of discussions have always centered around those two last couple years evan any final questions thoughts takes you want to get off before we get out of here for today well i try to see other than this upcoming weekend when the browns play the falcons so matt ryan may not be that available for the Cavs until early january mid to early january at this point so chris if you sign into a two-way deal you might really really be waiting this one out are you comfortable with that decision look uh dan gilbert's money has no limits so (laughs) That's true. I'll, I'll fill in for him in the meantime. I can. Yeah, and like, fed, fed at, yeah, yeah. Jackson will come in, shoot some threes. <laughs> it'll be great, and then uh, he'll come back from playing under FedEx, heir to the FedEx fortune, Falcons head coach Arthur Smith, and just be in really good shape. Like, he's going to be around money. He's going to be good. He can train like. Uh, maybe he can get some like timing with like the, the don't the Hawks have a G League team like in, in Atlanta now? Like, do. it's fine. They it's do. fine. We we can he can get some work and it's totally okay. We can do then. You can use all forty-five two-way days after the <laughs> NFL season ends. He can get like two weeks to recover. He can come in, just get some shots up, you know, get that soreness out of his body, and then be good to go. 
That's wild. I did not know Arthur Smith was the heir to the FedEx fortune. Because I was I, like, I thought at first he said owner. I'm like, the owner of the Falcons started no, not Home Ar- Depot. Not, not Arthur Blank, the other very rich man yeah. involved with the Atlanta Falcons who's named Arthur. Um, but yes, he's the heir to the FedEx fortune. I learned that like a year ago, and I haven't stopped thinking about it ever since. <laughs> That's wild, man. Evan's brain is just snapped. But I, I, I think the Cavs are going to be interesting. I just don't know like well, if the interesting is going to result in anything. that I saw the Falcons' stupid gradient alternative uniforms, and I can wear them against the Browns this weekend. I'm just going to chuckle to myself because, God, they're atrocious. Yeah, You know, preseason football. You know, what? it's all, all atrocious. The, it's all bad. Super Bowl, uh, Super Browns, baby. Yeah, let's go. Jackson, thanks again for coming on. Just give everyone a plug up where they can find you in, a, in everything you have going on right now. Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at JackFrank underscore JJF. Everywhere I write and talk about the NBA is listed in my bio there. Um, just doing off-season content. I've got my, my podcast, The House the Hinky Built, coming out episodes two to three times a week, covering different Sixers things. Um, so Andre Drummond is now my uh, my guy to to watch. We'll, see how, we'll, do, the, we'll do a post-up tracker, tracker for the two of you throughout can't, the season. Can't, can't, can't wait for, the, for, for Drummond in Philly. Can't wait. Extremely extremely vibe. I can't wait to see how that plays out in like six months. Can't wait. I got a year of Dwight. I can, I can, deal, I can, I can do a year of Dwight. <laughs> um, it'll, it'll be all good. But yeah, that's where you can find Two of you have me on. Always enjoy talking, talking Cavs. Both of you know that I'm, I'm a vocal proponent of what they're building, and I hope to see it uh, take a step forward this year. And then maybe a couple of years we'll talk about a, a Cavs playoffs year or something like that. So, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, look, and I think a couple of years is a reasonable time. I think uh, they're going to get antsy this year, and we'll see where that gets them. But Evan, why don't you take us out? Well, it'll be fitting if Andre Drummond sticks in Philly, if Cleveland beats, knocks out philly in the first round of the nba playoffs one year because of an Andre uh, with, Drummond gaffe with uh future calf ben simmons you know <laughs> yeah with future calves but cavalier ben simmons but for those of you checking us out on youtube for the first time or coming back we really appreciate it please give this video a thumbs up please subscribe please hit that notification bell we post these episodes three times a week usually during the off season we might be mixing things up and doing four or five episodes this week depending on how technology does for us but please see if you have the notification bell on you'll know when it happens but i am evan damerell he is chris manning this is locked on caps thanks for tuning in